Welcome to uh, Pastors of the Roundtable. It's good to have you joining us today. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, together, as usual, we encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Back after an extended break, a busy summer, uh, sitting around the table with me is Tim Icoangeli, lead pastor here, Scott Slater, family pastor, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, and I am Spencer Snow, um, the discipleship pastor here at the church. Guys, it's been a while since we've uh, sat down and recorded one of these. It's been uh, uh, quite the summer. Um, anything you'd like to say to people <coughs> as we're coming off a break? Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, Scott. It's really good. Okay. That's All right. Like <laughs> You're a good son. It's like one of the three people listening to this, right? You're a good son. You know that? Maybe. So, maybe. Probably not. Probably, Probably not. Cut that in half. Okay. Um, today, we, we, I believe the last time we were doing these episodes, we were talking about progressive Christianity. but And we're going to continue... Um, talking about that. Scott, do you want to tell us a little bit, real quick again, remind people what progressive Christianity is, um, why we're talking about it, and kind of what our future uh, path we're going to look at and talk about in the future episodes is going to be about. Yeah, I went back and looked at the past episodes, and from what I can tell, we did a episode on doubt, and then we did an episode on deconstruction, mm -hmm. and that's kind of where we ended. Mm -hmm. And to remind ourselves about what deconstruction is. Another word for that is deconversion, because you'll hear a deconversion story. And for Christians, we're familiar with hearing about people's conversion stories or their testimonies of how they came to know the Lord. And a deconversion story is how they how they lost their faith mm -hmm. or how they, 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 they became not a Christian. And... Progressive Christianity is kind of on the other side of that deconstruction story. And it's interesting because if you if you start following uh, people that have gone through deconstruction stories or deconversions, they'll end up in one of two places normally. They'll either end up as an atheist that will say, because like what happened in this deconversion story is I realized that none of this was true. I realize that Christianity is false, religion is false, and I believe in nothing now. That's a, that's a generalization, mm -hmm. but that's what will happen. The other side is people won't say, I realize that this is fake. They'll say, I, I misunderstood what Christianity was all about. And I now have a greater understanding of what Christianity really is and what it's really about and what it really teaches. And so it's this idea that Christianity has has and can progress, that uh, Christians, even the Bible, has been misapplied, miswritten, misinterpreted throughout the ages, and uh, it comes out in many different ways, as we're going to see, but that Christianity has progressed, and they have simply progressed with the direction that Christianity has improved mm. upon what has happened in society in the past. And so... Um, Progressive Christianity is really visible on like Instagram, and so it really mm -hmm. thrives there because Instagram is visual; it's all pictures, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, like progressive Christians really like to communicate through images and through memes, mm -hmm. especially. 
and things like that. And so if you just look up the hashtag progressive Christianity on Instagram, you're going to see like tons of stuff <clears throat> and a lot of like what we're going to do. So the, when I taught this to the youth, the most helpful thing that I found in trying to learn what progressive Christianity is was uh, through a book called The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity that Michael Kruger wrote. Mm-hmm. And it's a really short, you know, little book. And I don't know how many pages, like maybe, like, yeah, just over 50 pages. And he just goes through a list of Ten Commandments. And the interesting thing about these is that Michael Kruger did not write these. They were actually written by a progressive Christian named Richard Rohr, who's kind of like seen as the grandfather of progressive Hmm. Christianity. But he wrote a devotional. um, What did he call it? This was written in 2017, and it's just called Returning to the Essentials, where he wrote... Ten things that he thought like that Christianity would benefit from if Christians returned to these ten things, if they rem- if they remembered these ten things, and we're not we're gonna go through each of these ten things, but just so that there's like a a whole landscape, and then we'll just look at the first one, I think. But the ten things are this, and this is what Michael Kruger goes through in the book. But he says uh, number one. This is Richard Rohr that wrote these. He says, Jesus is a model for living more than an object of worship. Number two, affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness. Number three, the work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments. Number four, gracious behavior is more important than right belief. Number five, inviting questions is more valuable than supplying answers. Number six, encouraging the personal search is more important than group uniformity. Number seven, meeting actual needs is more important than maintaining institutions. Number eight, peacemaking is more important than power. Number nine, we should care more about love and less about sex. Number ten, life in this world is more important than the afterlife. And then in parentheses it says eternity is God's work anyway. Close parentheses. So those are the 10 things that Richard Rohr says that if Christianity could return to these things, we would be better for it. And so Michael Kruger kind of goes through that list and deconstructs and tries to examine and think about that. Um, And I found it very helpful uh, to do that with the youth. And um, the hard thing about that list is that a lot of it sounds really good. Um, And but there's a lot of half truth in the things that are said there. And so that's why you really have to take some time to like really dive in and think about like, is, would it actually be better? Is it actually more important? Mm-hmm. Um, or like try to examine the truth that's there um, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the first one that I think we can talk through uh, today is uh, Jesus is a model for living more than an object for worship. Um, and so if there's a half-truth contained in this, what would that half-truth be, you guys think? Well, I mean, I think there are things that Jesus did that we can model, <clears throat> mm-hmm. that are good to model. There's things that he said that we should do, that we should try that we should try to do, but you're missing, uh, I mean, I think it's in Isaiah, I, I don't know where, but where it says we are made for his glory. <laughs> that denotes worship. I mean, that denotes to worship him, mm-hmm. right? And so that's a big... A big part of God 
is we are to worship him. And it sounds like it minimizes it. Mm. It's minimizing worship, maybe minimizing Jesus being God mm. Yeah, as well. Yeah, it definitely is. In yeah. that. And mm. so, uh, but I mean, to say, oh yeah, you should read about Jesus and try to model his life. I mean, there's some good stuff in that, I guess. I mean, but you can't be the savior mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. world and save people of their sins. You can't mm-hmm. do that for yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And that, that is the half-truth there. The, the interesting thing is that this does not deny Jesus' divinity and that you should worship him. But what you said there, it minimizes it, and that is mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. It minimizes it and mm-hmm. its importance. And um, I think the half-truth there is definitely that we should emulate and model what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus himself commanded it. In John 13, 14, he says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also, or you also ought to wash one another's feet. Um, and so he would make claims like that. He did expect that we would kind of follow mm-hmm. his example of what he did. But the challenge comes in when there are clear places in Scripture where Jesus makes claims to be divine. Like where he says in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. And so we can't minimize Jesus' divinity um, uh, for just the sake of having a moral example. Um, I mean, can you guys think of any problems that will arise for Christianity if we minimize Jesus from being an object of worship to only being our example Mm -hmm. to follow? Legalism? Okay. (laughs) and, And I guess as elementally as I can say this, is if you divorce Jesus from moralism, then you're literally falling into, I have to follow this list, and this list is what ultimately saves me, Mm -hmm. uh, versus Jesus being the model actually saves us, and then we Mm -hmm. then likewise try to live like him in order, as a way of worshiping him. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think I think the trap there is it actually falls into a legalistic a work salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's what happens, and um, that's one of the places that Michael Kruger goes in his book is it makes Christianity all about moralism. Yeah, living with the right morals, uh, following the right example, mm-hmm. doing the right things. Yeah. And that's how you know you are a good Christian. Mm-hmm. When in fact, I mean, that is not what we see from Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. We see a very different picture in Scripture of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. And so how does how does Jesus as the moral example dif- differ from, as being a Christian, differ from what we see in the broader witness of Scripture of what it means to be a Christian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Jesus did what he did for us as our substitute. So there's no substitute idea here. Mm-hmm. He's he Jesus becomes a law. That's all he is. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, Christianity devolves into being a, instead of a gift received, it's a law to be obeyed mm-hmm. and a person to be emulated. And um you know, if that's the case, we have we have no hope. And I think what's behind a lot of this too is um Maybe we, I think the later on this is going to probably come up more, but is there is a denial of our sin yeah. because we can do what Jesus did. Yeah. We yeah. can model Jesus, mm-hmm. but if you understand sin, you know I can't do this. You could, he is a good model, but I'm never going to match that. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's really a denial of our of our sin and guilt. 
yeah. and our inability uh, to obey Christ, to obey God's law, mm-hmm. even yeah. even in the perfect image of of His Son. Mm-hmm. It takes away, I mean, the book of Hebrews speaks so clearly about Christ being a sacrifice mm-hmm. for sins. And it is so wrapped up in his purpose of what he came to do. Mm-hmm. He came to be a sacrifice for mm-hmm. sins, mm-hmm. not 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 just to give us an example mm-hmm. to live by. And to only see Jesus as a model for how we are to live removes that mm-hmm. that great purpose for which Christ came. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it... it it, it lessens that. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, if you still maintain that Jesus was perfect, it sets up yet another impossible standard. And mm-hmm. so I can't imagine that a, a person who actually sees Jesus as their example for how they are to live and they say, okay, for me to be a Christian means I do what this man did. Yeah. How crushing is that kind <laughs> right. of life? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can try that all you, you want. Uh, anybody here born of a virgin? <laughs> right? <laughs> Just saying, you know, right off the bat, we're, raw, we're, we're out of... yeah. 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 Um, Another issue that you see is uh, with thinking this is that Jesus himself claimed uh, to be more than a moral example, but his first followers that you see in Scripture, they saw him as more. And the way that even after he ascended to the Father in heaven, the way that they, I guess, quote unquote, lived out Christianity as the first followers of Christ, the first generation of Christians, they worshipped him mm-hmm. as Lord. They right. did not simply go around telling people, uh, do what this guy did. Like, mm-hmm. we followed this guy. He taught us how to live. Now, do as mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. They called people to believe in him. Mm-hmm. So we have the famous passage from Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When I was teaching this to the youth, I pointed out to them something that's really interesting was that Paul there in verse 13 and verse 11 Uh, No, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I believe that's quoted from the book of Joel. And Mm -hmm. when that's said, that it's talking about Yahweh, Mm -hmm. about God the Father or uh, the the covenant-keeping God of of Israel. But here, Paul quotes that and is referring to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so there's a direct correlation between Jesus is God, Mm -hmm. as they understood him to be God. And the, the command here is, to confess that he is Lord, to confess that he is divine and that he is our God. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a, I mean, Paul here is talking about the heart of what salvation is mm-hmm. um, uh, in that sense. And it includes a confession that Jesus is God, mm-hmm. that he is divine. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's really important there. And I think, too, if Jesus's, even his own message, was primarily one of moralism and being a model, I don't think that that would have been cause for the Jewish leaders to put him to death. Mm. Because if all he was saying was like any other rabbi, yeah, love people, uh, be just, live like I do. The real scandalous claim, as we know, was whenever he said, your sins are forgiven. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, started talking about, unless you drink my 
blood and, and eat my, my flesh. flesh. Yeah. You have no life in you. Those kinds of statements were really the ones that made people think, this guy's really different. Yeah. <laughs> That's different than just saying, be a good person like me. And so it doesn't even really make sense of even, not simply what the follow. I mean, I, I think this is great. We're talking about what the first followers thought, but even what Jesus himself did. And if, they, if you think about it, there's no reason why they would have wanted to put Jesus to death because there's, there's he's not really bucking the the... He's not trying to overthrow their whole system necessarily at mm-hmm. that point. It's really the claim to be divine and to be a sacrifice that brings forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. That's the real scandal mm-hmm. of Christianity, even then yeah. and now. Yeah. So I mean, would you say that it removes, I mean, I would agree with this, but it really removes <clears throat> the gospel from Christ mm-hmm. in essence. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no saving grace anywhere. Well, the gospel then becomes. You know, Ooh. Jesus didn't come to save us from our sins. He gave us to he the came and he gave to, us a better example to follow. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yes, yeah. it still is all on yeah. you. Yeah. At, there, at, yeah. At that point, there is no gospel. <laughs> yeah. No, there's not. At the end, of the it's day, really day. soft law. Yeah. It's deceptive, yeah. but it it's um in some ways. I mean, this is, I mean, it, this is just Pelagianism over again, right? The sure. early church Pelagius who said that Jesus is basically more of just an example. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've all had bad examples before, but Jesus really shows us the right way mm-hmm. to follow. And that was an assumption that we can do. We can do all of this. Mm-hmm. And so anyway. So have, did you find in your studies that or anything like how do modern progressives, how do they speak of grace? I, I highly doubt. I mean, mm-hmm. I find it hard to believe that they say they're earning their salvation mm-hmm. and this and stuff. They've got to be wording it differently than that. And so I'm just curious. Yeah. I think that'll become clear as we go through more of the questions because uh, in their, <coughs> this isn't just a this isn't just this one statement of what a progressive Christianity yeah, right. is. There's ten statements because right. it's a whole system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And in the system, there isn't a need for grace because there is no sin. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is. The, the sin is doing harm to other people. And that, that's where it becomes really interesting to know who is it that is the, who is condemned in a progressive Christian system. Uh, and the one who is condemned is the one who is not on par with the current moral code mm-hmm. that is given to us by Jesus. And so, you know, Spencer, when you were talking about... Um, Jesus, like there was no reason for him to be crucified and to be hated. I think to understand why he was crucified and hated really requires you to interpret and to change your hermeneutic Mm -hmm. of what you read in the Gospels and of why you have to reorient why did the Pharisees hate Mm -hmm. Jesus so much? Why didn't they like him? And it it comes down to, and they draw a... uh, a comparison between now and then of the Pharisees were trying to hold up a moral standard that was oppressive and hated people and was unkind towards people. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jesus' work was really about lifting up the downtrodden and the downcast mm-hmm. and those who are hurting, um, and so, but yeah, it requires you to reinterpret mm-hmm. everything uh, in Scripture. I think when you mm-hmm. see that, but yeah, they there isn't a concept of grace. Because some of the most ungracious people that you will see if you do what I said and look at those progressive Christian hashtags or accounts on on Instagram is progressive Christians are some of the most ungracious people you will ever see. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't 
It comes down to if you don't follow the moral example mm-hmm. of Jesus as they understand the moral example of Jesus, you are the evil person. Mm-hmm. And the way to correct you is not to try to gently bring you over. It is to fight you tooth and nail mm-hmm. and to, mm-hmm. to, to, to shove you to the dogs, so to speak. Another interesting thing I've talked about Pelagius, but is that he used the word grace, but for right. him it was law. Like God gave you the ability, God gave you grace by, and it may, he may have included upholding your free will, but also giving you the ability to, to giving you the example. So he, he, he was slippery with words. And um, so, yeah, you just redefine it though. Right. To a different mm-hmm. thing. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. Jesus gave you a great example to follow. <laughs> yeah. And they really, they don't talk much about Jesus, hmm. really, um, hmm. other than this example to follow. He becomes more of a mascot. That's a good word. Um, of they, they kind of pull him out when they need him. And they're so, uh, they, t- they, they tend to be very specific on the parts of the Scripture that they, that they cite where Jesus teaches something or where he says hmm. something. And it's, it's usually always having to do with the poor or w- with some other... Uh, situation there, but there's some things that they never reference, you know, with, with Christ. I got, a, I got a question for you, Scott. Is what is the what is the attraction for, especially this command? This this one. This is one of the ten points. Why? What would be the attraction to somebody to want to believe this this statement here? Jesus is a model for living. Why would I want to? What, what is the average progressive Christian? Why do you think that they see this and they say, yeah, that's actually true and, and that's a good thing to follow? Does that make sense, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. I think the attraction, if you look at the whole system, the attraction is, um, I don't know if we talked about this uh, in the series that we're doing right now, but I think the attraction is that what this does, if you believe this about Jesus, it gets you away from the need to be right about theological hmm truth because that's not what becomes important what becomes important is the example and the more the moral code that we're given so to speak mm. and so there this removes the need to be dogmatic mm. about beliefs yeah which really creates and that that's i think that's actually in one of the one of the the future questions so that's, that's what i was going to say yeah. as you looked that up the thing that would be attractive is i can be liked very easily doing yeah. this model. Mm-hmm. I can. I don't have to tell people they're wrong in the way they live or the things that they do. I really don't even have to worry about morals that much mm-hmm. <clears throat> because morals are pretty wishy-washy and they change mm-hmm. with the tides, mm-hmm. right, in the ebb and flow of culture. And so you talk about somebody who, you know, as a, as a kid growing up in church, you're told to be kind to people, to be nice to people, to be a friend to people, to love people like Jesus did, right? I'm told these things. And so all that stuff as a kid tells me people will like me. I need to be liked. You know, I need to be thought of as, as a good person. <clears throat> well, with this model, I can get everybody to like me because I can tell everybody what they're doing is awesome and what they're doing is mm-hmm. great. I never have to say a negative thing to somebody ever except for someone who I perceive as being mean, which turns out to be people, Orthodox Christian. Yeah, are people who are holding to a standard, an actual moral standard right. that God has given us, mm-hmm. That, which is odd because an Orthodox Christian would say, none of us can live to that standard. Right. Jesus did for us right. <clears throat> and actually give grace. But 
yeah, like if I'm a pastor who wants to be popular right now, this model is mm-hmm. is a fantastic. This is a fantastic thing mm-hmm. then to go and be popular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about increasing your numbers. If I can go to my community and say homosexuality is a God-given great thing, mm-hmm. I just open mm-hmm. my doors to a lot more people. Right. You know, right. or or whatever it might be. Whatever again, whatever the culture is saying, I'm saying that is good. You know, you need to be you and and that's I mean, that's what we see, but I, I think that is very attractive. Mm-hmm. To people who want to be liked or who want to have a lot of numbers or yeah. who want fame and popularity. And if you listen to people's deconversion stories, what you will hear are people who are torn and many times have come from really bad situations where they've grown up in church and they've what the people that they've been taught by are people that are extremely dogmatic. Like we wouldn't say that that being dogmatic is wrong necessarily. Mm-hmm. That that phrase has a negative tone though. Mm-hmm. So right. we probably wouldn't use that. But what's meant by that is that right belief is important. That's what we would think. And it is important. But what people who go through these deconversion stories have experienced are people that are really big on right belief, but their lives do not match what should have happened. Mm-hmm. And so there's a hypocrisy that they're reacting against. Right. And so I think what would be attractive about this is they're not necessarily hungry for right belief. They're hungry for people who live as if Jesus was real. Yeah. And so that's what's attractive about yeah. it is that it does seem to actually live out the message that they've been taught. Right. But it, it's deceptive. One of, the things, one of the things you said right then was something that's been percolating my mind a little bit whenever you... You said they've been taught, they're now living out the message that they've been taught. Because one of the things I think some of this is pushing back against is another form of moralism that we would all oppose as well within, quote, conservative churches that really, again, they're primarily about externals. Don't do this. Don't watch that. Don't mm -hmm. wear this. The difference is, is they've real. These people have realized those people that follow those rules are really not a lot of nice people, mm-hmm. and maybe there's been abuse and mm-hmm. problems taking place, and then, but they haven't really embraced the gospel. They've just flipped to a different moral code <laughs> that they think is more conducive and matches the person of Jesus that they have in their minds. Yeah, um, yeah and, it's and so just, it just makes yeah. me think they've changed one moralism for right. another. Yeah. They've really never embraced the the gospel of substitution. And it's just as as abusive. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, as abusive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what happens if their kid grows up and goes to a Baptist church somewhere or some church, and they come home and they start saying, I believe this. That family's probably going to say no, and they're going to be very right. upset at them. Mm, right. Right? And who knows And who knows what mm. would happen. And, yeah, mm. so it's it's the exact same game. Mm-hmm. Just in a new field, almost. and I suppose there could be the posture of, well, we don't ask those kinds of questions here. We don't, we don't. You know, like sometimes I know that the, one of the critiques that can commonly be had is that in certain churches you, you're not allowed to ask questions about the faith. Yeah. And so then the other thing is, is okay. Well, it's okay. It's okay then to <clears throat> allow ourselves to be questioning everything, and it's okay to stay in that state. Yeah, um, which seems to be somewhere where the progressive Christianity is at. It's never really that's one of the that's one of the ones we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like we're never arriving at any truth because actually, if you make any truly dogmatic statements in the best sense of that word, then you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they that that's the struggle though, right? Is because they make dogmatic statements. Yeah, it's a dogmatic statement to say homosexuality is fine. 
That's a dogmatic statement. This is a dogmatic statement right here. Right. Jesus so is if, a model for living. If you go and say, I don't think that's right, now I'm their enemy. Right. And I am ostracized, right? Right. You don't, and so there's not a loving tone then mm-hmm. or an accepting tone. It's mm-hmm. this, is, this is what's right. And so somebody is making that moral standard, which they say is Jesus, which is problematic because we know Scripture speaks very diffi- differently mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Yeah. Gendered about the really the things that they are fighting for yeah. currently, mm-hmm. um, and so it's really I don't know a lie to themselves. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't. What I find fascinating about progressive Christianity is I don't know why progressive Christians feel the need to maintain the label of Christian. Hmm. I don't yeah. know why they don't feel comfortable moving on from mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Because if you truly think that Christianity has fallen by the wayside, why don't you simply go to something else? And one of the other the other things that Michael Kruger points out with this specific one that Jesus is more model for living than a, an object of worship is you as if you're going to still call yourself a Christian, you need to be able to identify why is it that Jesus is the moral example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's not divine, mm-hmm. then that means that he was simply a poor carpenter that lived 2,000 years ago yeah. and was born to a poor family and yeah. died a death that was not glorious. He was just able to get a little bit of a following, uh, and it just kind of stuck. Why is Jesus... Yeah. The example for you to follow. Why not Over, Gandhi or Muhammad? Why not Gandhi? Why not Muhammad? Why not? <laughs> why not something new? Yeah. Why yeah. not something yeah. totally different? Why isn't Richard Richard Rohr, who you said wrote that, is Catholic? He's Catholic. Hmm. He's a priest, right? Mm-hmm. He's a Catholic priest. Yep. Yeah. Francinian Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I so, think the Pope is. Was he Francinian? He's Francis. Pope Francis. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a Francinian know. priest. Franciscan yeah. monk. Which makes know. kind of sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it kind of has some of the same mm-hmm. views. So it's yeah. just interesting of, <clears throat> you know, you you prop Jesus up to be the moral example. <clears throat> well, you need some kind of uh, standard to qualify him to be the moral example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes him more of the moral example over something else? Right. And I don't think they're really able to answer that question. Uh, with a, a good answer. Mm-hmm. There, you don't really have a reason why Muhammad would not have been more moral of an example. And I think in the conversation that what it kind of boils down to is that Jesus actually isn't your moral example. You are your moral example. The current mm-hmm. standard mm-hmm. in culture is your moral example. I just think there's this desire to, in order to, um, this could get into a deeper discussion, but in order to kind of pacify people that would be worried that you're losing your faith and to be able to maintain and say, right. no, I'm still a Christian. Right. I'm just a little bit more liberal in my beliefs right. as a Christian. Yeah. Well, I mean, he I, said I, he I was trying told, to like restore the faith, right, in that yeah. article? Yeah. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. It's like we would be better off if we got back to this. So it's yeah. like by saying got back to this, yeah. what he's saying is this is what we were. This is what we mm-hmm. used to be, and we've gone astray. And so... I think for them to hold the label of Christian, that to them they're saying it in their minds is the truest sense of the word. We are actually the true Christians. Mm-hmm. They are the ones who should take and say there's something else yeah. because we are going back to our roots yeah. of just doing what Jesus did yeah. and loving everybody. right? Because mm-hmm. my mind goes to red-letter Christians mm-hmm. when I think of progressive Christianity, Shane Claiborne and stuff. And I was looking on their website. They quote Richard Rohr mm-hmm. like they do this. Um, and so they would take Paul's writings and stuff and say, we don't, we don't listen to that. 
we only do the red letter stuff, the things that Jesus said, yeah. is the stuff that we will listen to. Mm-hmm. Which we would argue, you don't even take all of that no, and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, But I think that's why they hold the label of Christians. They say we're the true Christians mm-hmm. in this yeah. here. I don't know how you read Paul or how you read these things and, and say you're a progressive Paul Christian. Paul kind of don't. Paul yeah. throws a wrench into all yeah. this. Peter, I mean, any of it. And I mean, the I, Old Testament. Yeah, and that's what I mean is that Jesus becomes the mascot right. that you yeah. pull out because he's the authority figure that everybody loves. Right. Nobody, you know, Jesus doesn't at least appear on the front end to say anything yeah. that would rub you the wrong way like Paul does, uh-huh. you know. But, I mean, right. like we said, he, you know, he does. And it's helpful, you maybe it's helpful to say it's a Jesus yeah. they pull out as a mascot. <laughs> yeah. Because um, they're not, they're, it's, it's really idolatry. They're, they're, they're manufacturing a Jesus figure. Mm-hmm. To wave in front of us yeah. and to say, "This is who. This is. These are the people that led you out of Egypt." Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's not that's yeah. not the Jesus of Scripture. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it seems that there's a lack of uh, sufficiency of Scripture in progressive Christianity, because Orthodox Christianity we find Christ, or you know, we find Jesus as the standard because author- the authority and sufficiency of Scripture. Yeah. As its basis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so with with if you if you're only looking at the red letters, or if you're you know not not believing you know something that Paul said in in a, an epistle, or even something in the Old Testament, like if you're throwing out stuff, then you, your view of Scripture is not orthodox. So you're not going to come to the standard that we say Christ is the standard. Mm-hmm. That, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I would. I, I would assume Scott would know better than all of us, but I'm assuming they have a very low view of Scripture. Uh, I'm assuming yeah. that too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, the only you're not going to hear any kind of what we would call exposition of yeah. large swaths of yeah. Scripture. What you're going to hear are little picked out quotes. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. the kind of things that you'd see on knickknacks at the Lifeway store. Well, right. when they existed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so right. I just pulled up this progressive Christianity hashtag on Instagram, and there's not one Bible verse. Like, there's not, you know, usually if you, like, do, like, hashtag Christianity or hashtag Jesus Christ, you would get someone quoting Scripture or making, like, a meme with Scripture or, you know, just a photo with Scripture verse on it. Mm-hmm. But there's absolutely nothing with Scripture written on it. It's all quotes. It's all, <laughs> it's all just cultural, uh, LGBTQ you see, in the all end, that kind of stuff. In the end, all this stuff. I know. I mean, it's good to talk about this. And we need to get our culture. But in the end, all this stuff is going to crush itself. It's all going to fail. I mean, it's not. It's not going to work because <clears throat> at some point you have to take a stand for something. Mm-hmm. At sure. some point you have to say something is right and something is wrong. Mm-hmm. If you just keep going down the rabbit trail of everything is right, everything is good, we have to be accepting. I just don't know a, a culture that can exist where you accept everything. Yeah. Right. So there is some moral. There is some moral code. Mm-hmm. And again, if their moral code is Christ, we don't have like everything about his life, about every single situation just from the red letters of what to do mm-hmm. with some things yeah. in, in certain spots. And mm-hmm. so they're going to eat themselves up because they're going to disagree and they're going to keep splintering. I mean, that's just, it's mm-hmm. not going to stand the test of time mm-hmm. at all. One of the things that Kruger does in his book is he reflects back on a different book that was written, you'll know when it was written, uh, Christianity and Liberalism. 1923. 
three, four, so like 100 years ago. You liar. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. It's right around that time. Do you really look it up? 1923 or oh, four? Yeah, you look it up while I we're saying it. I was like, look thing, it up on your phone. Something like that. One, <laughs> yeah. he, he points back to how. What was it called? Christianity and liberalism. Machen. Machen. Um, and Kruger points out how progressive Christianity really is just a rehashing of liberal Christianity. And when we're saying that, we're not necessarily talking about like the political leaning liberal, Mm -hmm. um, but theological. Mm -hmm. And the prediction that was made about that is that it will eventually fizzle out because you lose Christianity. And you're right. Mm. Like, I don't know why they don't just move on from Christianity. Like I said that, Mm -hmm. they eventually will. Mm -hmm. It will become less and less important Mm. over time to identify with Christian and with Christ, right? Uh, because that's not what's necessary to to hold up this worldview. So, right. what does it fizzle out to? I mean, I think you, over time it's going to fizzle out to chaos again. Because who is determining what is right and wrong mm-hmm. here? There has to be a standard sure. to live by. I can't. Sure. I think it was a philosophy class, but you know, the question was kind of posed or talked about. I can't remember what it was, but there was like a, a army. I can't remember if it was a Russian army or what, but they found out they would take babies, you know, and throw them in the air and spear them. Well, that's hard to hear for us. But the teacher's like, why is that hard to hear for you? What tells you that's wrong? What moral standard is there that says anything is wrong with that? I mean, there's got to be some moral standard saying that this is wrong Mm -hmm. or this is is right. You know, we've even set up a moral standard with nature. Like, we don't want to watch, we want to watch nature shows, but we don't want to see the lion actually kill the deer. Sure. That's horrible. I don't want to see that. No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Right? Because we've attached some moral standard to lions, how they've always been and lived, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there actually is no moral standard to that. That's how it's supposed yeah. to function. That's how it's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. Um, well, athe- so, atheistic worldview anyways. They, they, take, they take morality from the Christian worldview. That's what I'm saying. Morality is somewhere, right? And we say we have the answer to where morality comes from. Yes. Right? Christianity, we we know where morals come from, and this needs to be the standard. And the problem here is they are taking the standard, and they are moving it, and they are twisting it, and you can't do that. If a foot, you know, 12 inches, if that is your standard, if you keep changing the standard all the time, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be able to build anything. We're not going to be able to do anything well. Well, what it becomes is it takes a foot from being defined as 12 inches that you can measure with a ruler to being a foot as in your literal foot. And what it devolves into, it's not the, if it was a system, the system would be postmodern relativism Mm -hmm. to where it's what is right is what you perceive or what your community perceives to be right. And that's where, like, I don't know how they would ever set up as a denomination or as a group. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I don't know what then they're coming together under. I mean, it's interesting. You know, you see, well, that's you why see the Gen Hatmakers. They're basically coming under a political platform. <laughs> right. And that's really what it, I mean, yeah. that's the ironic thing for me about, like I say, is this, is it seems like this goes in cycles. Is you, I don't want to, this, I don't want this to sound condescending, but like just historically, like you brought up J. Garish and Machen. This is basically the same stuff that he was dealing with a hundred years ago mm-hmm. and they thought they were edgy progressives you had the social gospel people there saying these kinds of things and machen wrote that book his whole point of the book is that this whatever this is this is not christianity um that we're dealing with mm-hmm. it's, um, it's not true christianity and so i wish that 
people who embrace this would at least recognize there have been people before that were embodying maybe not exactly the same specifics, but generally the same principles that you're trying to argue for, and maybe at least own the fact that you're in the same stream of those people mm -hmm. or whatever. But I think the ironic thing is the people that do this, they think they're being edgy <laughs> when actually they're just rehashing yeah. what has already been dealt with before. Yeah, and that makes it seem sure. like, like, why would we be worried about this? Because this has happened before. Right. But I think the <clears throat> difference between Machen's day and our day is the internet. Sure. And with yeah, social media, sure. because like in Machen's day, this was spread primarily through the universities, through those who were learned and through mm -hmm. pastors, and and you know I would assume certain churches, mm -hmm. certain churches, certain people that were at the universities where the <coughs> liberalism was being taught and embraced, and that's how it was spreading to churches. The way that this is spreading to your church now, as in as in your church, right, is. It's coming through your teenager's social media right. accounts. Right, right. It's coming through Instagram, through Facebook, through Twitter. Mm -hmm. It's coming through YouTube. And so it's, I think that a lot of, even at our church, it's been here for a while in people's minds. Like, I think that there are people probably in our church who, this is what they think Christianity mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And the reason they think that is because they've been kind of trained to see that as a better form of Christianity because of what they see on their social media profiles. Mm -hmm. And so it's mm -hmm. it's more infectious. Yeah. It spreads easier and faster. Good point. Um, yeah. than what it did in Machen's mm -hmm. day. Yeah. I think. You're right. You're know? right. Yeah, I know we definitely have that. Um, it's more it's more palatable to our and that's what the interesting thing is, is back a hundred years ago, all of a sudden Jesus was a was a nineteen twenties progressive all of a sudden, that's the way they read the Bible. And all of a sudden, Jesus looked just like a 1920s progressive, <laughs> just like them. Mm -hmm. And today, Jesus amazingly, 2,000 years ago, looks just like the way these people want to live already. Mm -hmm. they, they, when they read the scriptures this way, it says more about themselves than it does about who Jesus actually is because they've just interpreted Jesus in light of themselves. Yeah. They've thrown their image on him. Yeah. Um, what they would want. Yes, I saw real quick before we were to wrap up the episode, though, you have the, the awesome quote we have by C.S. Lewis. You have to read that. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you close the episode out with that? Okay. Okay, so this is C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. Um, he's uh, talking about people who would think that Jesus was only a moral teacher, and we can, we can accept that, but not worship him as divine. And Lewis has this brilliant quote where he says, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. And um, that's really not what, I, I think that's a helpful place to end, because Jesus himself makes all of us make that choice. This isn't any of us telling people they have to make that choice. Ultimately, that's Jesus of Nazareth saying, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And... Um, that's what we're talking about. And so, um, anyway, it's been an awesome discussion. Thank you, Scott, for leading us um, through this through this uh, first uh, commandment. Jesus is a model for living more than an object for worship. And while he is a model for living, he is first and foremost uh, the Savior of sinners who took our place on the tree uh, for our sakes. So, um, thank you so much for listening. We hope it's been edifying, encouraging. Um, if you have any questions or any thoughts or anything you'd like to share with us, or uh, if you're struggling with anything, please don't hesitate to contact us at the church, email us, um, or reach out to us. So thank you so What's much for listening. Email, 
My email is snow at mmbconline.org. How, how often do you uh, check it? Check it every day. Every well, not every day. Whenever I'm here at work, every day. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless.